Welcome to the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church. We hope our broadcast will bless you. Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Good morning, church family. Well, guys, uh, I wanted to start off today. Can you hear me okay? I, can, I can't hear myself very well, so um, sharing something about myself most of you probably don't know. I run a little side business uh, slinging old Ford trucks, specifically uh, from the years 73 through 79, call them dense side Fords. Um, I enjoy finding them in open cow fields or in garages, old rusty, salty things, and then getting them back on the road. I enjoy that. There's something really redeeming about that for me. And if it's not in my capacity to do that, then I cut them up and I sling the parts for profit. I've been doing that for a good decade now, and i got a small following of people. I ship parts all over the country. Um, I'm stepping away from that a little bit recently, but uh, just to give a little context where I'm coming from here. So... Over the years, I've, I've learned and realized what time can do to a machine just sitting, doing nothing for decades, right? <clears throat> so when I bring home these old trucks, you know, you find some pretty funky things, right? Um, but there's always three things I could pretty much, you know, I can expect to find when I bring home one of these old trucks. One, the mice. These trucks are always full of mice, and not just one or two, it's a colony of mice. And so my garage has become a a refugee camp for mice from all these various counties. And so I don't like cats all that much, um, but I need a cat. So maybe you guys got some ideas of what I could do about that. I don't know if Python's illegal or something like that. I need something in the ground. Uh, second thing I could pretty much expect, pretty well expect, is there's always at least $3 of loose change in the truck collectively. You know, you got that old metal ashtray, so there's, you know, a couple bucks of old pennies and quarters in there, corroded. You know, we got cigarette, you know, debris right there. And then you always have a dollar bill or two in the seat and in the dash. And I've learned my lesson. If you buy one of these old trucks from uh, an older individual, I'll say, you got to check behind the dash. There's like this tendency to hoard a couple Jacksons or Grants back there just in case of emergencies. I learned that because I sold a truck to a young lady and she called me asking if I had displaced a couple hundred bucks. I'm like, no. She's like, well, there was some behind the dash. I was like, ugh. Which would have paid for the truck, by the way, how much I ended up spending on it. Third thing I could pretty, third thing uh, I've come to expect are the, the missing mirrors. And it's probably not the mirrors you think they are. Uh, you know, you see, you got your river mirror, you got your your left and right door mirrors there. Um, you would think a truck sitting out in an open cow field, you know, that some miscreant kid would come and blow out the side mirrors, but though, that's not always the case. The mirror I'm talking about is that rear view mirror. That sucker is always missing, and I don't know why. It's not a part that could just fall off. You have to manually take it off the windshield, and I don't have a clue as to why, why those things are always missing. So, I don't know, maybe you guys can weigh in on what that could be. Um, 
But nonetheless, that presents a little bit of a problem for me. You see, like I said earlier, I cut these trucks off and I glean parts to make other trucks whole. So when it comes time to put one of these old uh, Fords back on the road, I don't have enough mirrors to go around. If you go in my shop, you know, I have steering wheels and hub assemblies and, 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 and wiring harnesses and body parts, right? Truck body parts. Uh, and, but I've got like two mirrors. So then I start to ask myself, eh, maybe a rear mirror isn't that important, you know? So I have to pick and choose which trucks get a rear mirror, right? So I thought that'd be a good point of the conversation this morning. Just how important is that rear view mirror really? You know, I don't know how often you guys use yours, but judging by the way most people drive, I'm going to say, I don't even know why they install a rear view mirror in their vehicles today. Um, but are you using yours when you're supposed to be using it, right? I'm trying to think of situations where you'd use a rear view mirror, maybe when you're merging, looking back, right? Or you're checking for a load. Um, I don't know. I always tend to check mine when I've cut somebody off and I'm trying to see if they've are taken down my license plate number. That's when I check mine. Um, but maybe the reciprocal is true. Maybe, maybe we check our rear mirror and we're looking into that more often than we should be. Maybe we look at that and we're fixating on it to the point that it's taking our attention off the road ahead. Now, it seems like a stretch, but the possibilities there, right? But of course, I'm talking figuratively at this point. I'm sure you guys are picking up what I'm laying down a little bit, right? As we talk about the road ahead, our future, um, distractions, and the road behind us, weighing all that against our past. You know, the past is a funny thing, isn't it? I'm, I'm looking out on this room right now and I see a diverse crowd, different experiences, everything different leading you up to this moment here today. But regardless of all that, we're all the same because we all have to carry around our past, don't we? It follows us. Those good, those good portions of our past and those not so good portions of our past. And so it probably looks a little bit like this, right? So divided into a couple groups, you got that, those good spots in your, your past and your history that are made up of good memories of people and occasions or situations. And then, so when we are experiencing carnage in our life or bad times, we like to go to those memories and those spots as kind of like a means of refuge, right? And we go there because why not? It was a good time. Why not go to that point? Or alternatively, you know, the spots that make up our past are not so good. Those are occasions that left us feeling bitter and angry, maybe feelings of animosity, frustration. The sort of memories that if you had the opportunity to wipe your memory clear, you probably would, but you can't. So unfortunately, they follow behind you like a cancer. They're just with you. So in reflection to this, uh, sort of the truth behind our histories, it prompts a question uh, I think that each of us should be asking ourselves. And that's that, how far 
are we supposed to allow our past to influence our life? Not only as participants of the human family, but for us as Christians, ambassadors of the Most High. That's a fair question, right? Give me something, you guys. Okay. All right. Uh, Turn with me to Philippians uh, chapter 3, verse 10. And I, I, I'm hope, I got you guys for like 30 minutes. I always commit to myself to trying to do a 30-minute sermon. That's like a, an episode of SpongeBob. So I want to see you turning your Bibles with me or something. Philippians 3.10. Engage with me today. We're going to get a little feedback from somebody who knows a lot about having a history and a past. Right? You'd say Paul has a pretty interesting history. A little bit of a reputation. Philippians uh, chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 10. A little feedback from a gentleman who weighs in a lot about life and being reflective of that. Starting in verse 10, my goal is to know him, speaking of Jesus, of course, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings be conformed to his death. Now, just a little sidebar here. I wish that I had the sort of confidence that Paul had. You know, if you ask what Paul wants out of life, he'll tell you exactly what it is. He wants to know Jesus. If you were to ask me that, I might hem-haw on that a little bit, right? Very directive. We want to be like Paul in this regard. Verse 11, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead, not that I have already reached the goal or have already matured, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have been taking hold of Christ. Jesus. I think this is an interesting point because Paul being a, a, a leader of the church is saying, I'm still doing proactive things to grow and foster that growth in Jesus that I need. And he goes and elaborate what that is, right? Moving forward. What is that, Paul? Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing that I do. What is that? What is it? Forget. Yeah. Okay. Forgetting what is behind and then reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, all who are mature should think in this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this thing to you. Forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to that which is ahead. Now, there's a couple of things that stand out to me as I read the scripture. One is Paul's blatant disregard to his own history, as a Christian at least. I mean, it seems a little exaggerated, doesn't it? To not seem to spike any value to your past at all, but that's where Paul's coming from. And then second, he's saying that this, this idea of putting your past behind you and, and, and looking forward isn't just kind of like a bonus situation you should um, push for as a Christian. He's saying this is a benchmark for being a, a follower of Jesus. Mandatory, if you will. Now, Paul has said some pretty controversial things, right? He says a lot. Which is why he, at the end of verse 15, he, he goes on to say something like, but if you disagree, you could take it up with God, right? He says, he uses a similar language in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 when he talks about 
maybe staying single and not marrying for sake of ministry. He says the same thing. He goes, but that's my opinion, right? So he's given, there's a little bit of an asterisk associated with that. But I think this still raises some questions about how relevant our histories are and against our growth in Jesus, right? So why don't we do this? Let's weigh out what Paul says against what Jesus says on a very similar matter, okay? So why don't you turn with me to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Let's start in verse 57. And here we have a situation where Jesus is on a road trip to Jerusalem, necessary for his ministry. And he's, he's, he's being intercepted by various gentlemen about following him in ministry, right? He's becoming popular, or has a reputation anyway, we'll say that. And so people are being zealous, saying, hey, I want to I catch up with this guy in ministry. So as they were traveling on the road, someone said to him, speaking of Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Then Jesus tells this guy, hey, foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So here we see Jesus being pretty upfront about the realities of ministry to God, right? It's not cotton candy and it's not cushy. It, there's challenges associated with that. So then he turns to some bystander, I, not even the guy who first you know, followed up with them. He says, hey, you, you follow me, Jesus says. And then this guy's like caught out. He's like, uh, okay, uh, well, first let me go bury my father. Which seems like a fairly reasonable ask, right? Seems reasonable. Let me go bury my dad. On the surface, anyway. There's actually evidence to suggest that um, this is probably just an excuse not to do the work. None of us would know anything about that, though, right? But still, look at what Jesus goes on to say in, in verse 60. But Jesus tells him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go, you go spread the good news of Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God. Now, it just seems a little cold to me. Christ's response to this, young, this, this guy, all right? So it doesn't make quite, maybe not a lot of sense now, but let's move forward. Maybe, maybe it'll make a little bit more sense. Going in verse 61, another also said, so another, one, another guy passes along and says, Hey, I'm going to follow you, Lord, but first let me go and say goodbye to those at my house. Which again, seems like a pretty reasonable ask. Right? You're going to go away for a while, you know, go pay your electricity bill, go say bye to mom, all those sort of things, Right? But pay attention to what Jesus says. And here, this is the crux of the responses we're reading here, these last few verses, right? But Jesus says to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Let me read that one more time. No one who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, as extreme as Paul sounded about just putting your past into the history, what Jesus says is way worse. Way worse. He's saying, if you look back, at least in terms of ministry to God, he's saying, you look back, you don't make the cut. What the stink? What's going on here? 
Now, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a farmer from 2,000 years ago, and I, I can imagine it's a lot different. But even now, it seems like looking back at your work seems kind of natural. So what's going on here? I believe the point that Jesus is trying to make is pretty straightforward when you look at the response that he gives these various men, okay? And that's that Jesus has an issue with distraction. The Lord has an issue when we lose focus on the things that are most important. You guys with me? Okay. You see, ministry to the Most High and plowing by horse are pretty similar. Both require steadfast dedication and spelled out by Jesus himself, an ability to look forward, having that forward mentality without the distractions, especially what has happened behind you. Okay? Now, can you imagine the, the impact? Imagine yourself as a farmer, I guess. You know, you're plowing, right? Imagine the impact of getting distracted while you're plowing your crop lines. It would look like Stevie Wonder did your field work for you, right? You can't get distracted. You have to stay focused. Now think if you were to, the impact, if you were to exhibit some of the same distractions while in service to God, right? Because that's what we're talking about. Not only would you stink as an operative of the Most High, but you would also start to lose sight of eternal matters. And so now, when we reflect on the things that Jesus and Paul were saying about putting your past behind you, it starts to make more sense. And it starts to sound a little bit more reasonable. You guys, just a little sidebar here. Um, and something worth reflecting on. What things should we be making most important in our lives? Right? Now, I'm not going to, I'm, look, I'm looking out here. You know, we all have a tier of what's important in our life, and I'm not going to dip into that. Although, as a Christian, I could tell you what things you should have in your list of things that are prior, prioritizing anyway, right? The things that are most important in your life. But maybe that's not the question we should be asking here. Maybe we should be asking ourselves, what's taking our attention away from those things? Right? And I don't think it's any coincidence that the imagery that both Paul and Jesus use are portions of our past that cause distraction. But why is that? I'm looking at you a lot, John. I'm sorry. I mean, I was actually, earlier when I seen like nobody on this side, I was like, oh no, I have a nap. I always look at this side of the church, so I'm sorry. I ask you guys the same question. I want some feedback on this. What, what about our pasts can cause distractions? I know it seems general, but spitball with me. Okay, a rough past. Well, what, what about it? Why would that be a distraction? What's that? Okay, you mean a, a, a high point in your past that becomes a distraction? I like that. Like maybe you want to relive something in your life and so you sort of, that always becomes fulcrum in your life? Okay. Our past make us feel unworthy. Our past make you feel, yeah, sure. 
Yeah, because that would distort a lot of different things. Distort the image of God by doing that. Okay. Yes. That's a good one. Did you hear what she said? A rough past will possibly make you hesitant of making decisions later. That's a good one. Make you less confident. Guys, maybe it's all of that. It's probably all of that. Maybe it's we're damaged and we just don't see that God can work in our life. Who here... Who, who's damaged here? Who's damaged? Yeah, we're all broken goods, you guys. We're in good company today, aren't we? But maybe, you guys, God knows this. Maybe God knows that we all need that work in our life that he only can offer us and that he's consistently trying to wipe our histories clean so that we can... Work in the capacity for God that is efficient. And that we can have more fruitful lives. Maybe that's why he's wanting to wipe our histories clean. I think that's evident when we, if you were to look forward, uh, moving, I'm going to get a drink of water. If you were to move forward in Luke 17, uh, Jesus is asked about um, what it's going to, uh, what am I trying to say? I'm having a brain fog here. Uh, Christ, or Jesus is being asked about the, the, the coming kingdom, right? And so Jesus responds with the state of the world just prior to his coming. And you got some types in the shadows. And he starts talking about Lot and his family, right? And Sodom and Gomorrah. Pretty, parallels a lot of what we see today, right? And that's why Jesus mentions it. <clears throat> and so let's reflect on the story of Lot for a second. So if you guys uh, remembering the story, right? So the Lord, uh, Lot and his family live in the city of Sodom and the Lord is asking them to come out and heavily persuades them, sending angels to do that, right? And reluctantly, they left Sodom because God was going to destroy the city by fire and told them so. And so, what was the one thing that the Lord asked them to do when they were leaving, though? Not to look back, right? What, which verse was that? So, in the last, in, the, in that pericope in Scripture, I think it's verse 32, Jesus gives us a very uh, sobering message. Very short one. He says what? Remember Lot's wife. Now, what happened with Lot's wife? She looked back when she was told not to look back. Now, I believe there's a lot that Jesus could have said here uh, in terms of giving you know, feedback on uh, what the world was going to be like prior to his coming and you know, this and that. But instead, he gave a very simple and a very graphic image of the consequences on fixating on things that God has asked us to put behind us. You guys with me? Does that make sense, right? So, is God going to turn any of us into a pillar of salt? Probably not. But the realities of doing what she did, right, allowing our past to burden us, 
can certainly keep us from efficiently moving forward. Even those elements of our past, or listen close, you guys, those, those portions of our past that we think are worth holding on to, even those good things that make sense to go back to, sometimes God is asking us to put that behind us also. Because they too can be a distraction from what we were called to focus on. And I can't tell you what those things are. That's between you and God to figure that out. I'm just giving you what God has told us here in, 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 in Scripture. Now here's the thing, reflecting on Lot and his wife. I don't, by the way, you don't even know her name. We just know her as Lot's wife and that she was, that's a terrible reputation. We're talking about bad reputations. We're talking about a woman who doesn't even have a name in Scripture, right? I don't blame her. Who could? Being asked not to look back. I mean, her whole livelihood was back in stop. Everything. Her career. She, she still had family back in Sodom. Her home. Her favorite shopping center. Her favorite share album collection. It was all there. But the Lord still asked her and her family not to look back. And it's because God had a higher calling for them. Amen. Quite simply, God had something better. And brothers and sisters, we have to have the faith to believe that's true. Even when it doesn't make sense. You guys with me? Okay. Now I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. We've been talking about how giving weight to our past impacts our ministry and, and general spiritual growth. Uh, but there's another couple of reasons why we should not give so much weight to our own history, right? We tend to label ourselves by our own past, right? Whether it's good or whether it's bad, we begin, we begin to identify ourselves with who we once were. And we do this to ourselves, and we do this with other people, which is even worse. You know what I'm talking about? We know somebody because, oh, they used to be a nose picker, or, oh, they used to be. But that's how you know them, right? That's how you identify them, you know, elements of their own past. Now, the problem with this is when we get wrapped up, our past get wrapped up in our identity, it distorts the outcome of our own growth because... And I'm speaking to a body of believers here today. Because it starts to we start to become confused on who we really are. Do you understand what I'm saying? Who are we, you guys? Who, I, I'm, I'm asking, who are we? Children of God. That's who we are. We're heirs to the kingdom. You're not who you used to be. But that's how we tend to see it. And unfortunately, our identity gets wrapped up into that and we start to lose sight of what God has called us to be. You guys following me? Which leads us to the second issue, is that this isn't how God operates at all. And it distorts the image of God when we believe otherwise. You see... The way God measures who we are is measured from this point forward. And when we, when we keep him in focus, that is. 
that portion of your past that you're running from, that, that you wish would disappear, that you hate, that thing that you did that's abhorrent, God wants that into history more than you want that into your history. You are not obligated to your past. Jesus gives all freedom. I'm not saying that clearly. I'm sorry, I'm having a brain fog again. But I think you understand what I'm trying to say. There's a liberty in the Lord. True liberty. Turn with me to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to start winding this down. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I, I believe this to be um, probably one of the most beautiful pieces in Scripture. I, I, I cite this often because it not only gives us believers a, a, a direction of purpose, but also gives us hope in who Jesus is and also a challenge. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses We'll start in verse 15. And he, speaking of Jesus, died for all so that those who should live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. You guys, God's love is universal. All people, right? So Paul goes on to say, from now on, then we do not know anyone in a purely human way. What's it mean to know somebody in a purely human way? We were kind of, we've been talking about it a little bit. What's that mean, knowing somebody in a purely human way? Faults in their past, reputations, those sort of things, right? Even if we have known Christ in a purely human way, yet we no longer know him in this way. You know, there were people that thought that Jesus was human garbage. He was a Nazarene. He was a carpenter's son. He was a troublemaker. And listen to the inclusive language that Paul uses. We. Paul was in that group. Paul didn't think highly of Jesus Christ. Yet we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, and I love this shift, you guys. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. Old things have passed away and new things have come. You guys, you know, when I was talking about those old four trucks earlier, I'm in the business of restoration. Okay? So I got to take these old, crummy, rusty parts, polish them out, and make it look good so you feel good about an expensive purchase that's really just going to be rusty later again. That's what restoration is. That's not in the business that God's in. He's a recreator. He doesn't restore you. He recreates you. New bones, new everything. He doesn't need your past to build on you. None of it. It's all brand new. All brand new. And just shooting forward here in verse uh, 20, I just want to point this out to... Um, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. We plead on Christ's behalf. You guys, and again, that prerequisite to being, a, 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 I'm going to say a legitimate Christian, but to being a follower of Jesus Christ. And being an ambassador for him means accepting this truth of looking forward and putting your past behind. 
And I just want to hammer that into your heads for a second. So guys, I'm going to, I'm going to bring this to a close here. Um, I don't know where you're at with any of this. This whole thing could be me just projecting onto you guys, but I'm sure there's a few of you that maybe have some of the same struggles I do where, you know, your past comes back and it weighs on you and you just can't seem to do anything about it. We serve a God, a, a, a loving God. The same God that's filling the sanctuary today is wanting to give you a new identity. And so what I want to do today is just offer a, a small opportunity um, for you to lay whatever that is at the feet of, at, at the foot of the throne. And so I know that seemed really canned, and I, I know, you know, having an altar call of this capacity maybe just seems, you know, cliche. But I also believe that if we even allow, if we just give an opportunity for the Lord to work in our life, even if we think it's hokey, because I know where some of us are at, that sometimes it just gives the Lord enough room to work to really show himself. So maybe some of you have some struggles in your life. I just want to commit to you today to just give that to God. Maybe there's a portion of your past you're like, I can't just seem to shake this thing. Let's do that. And while I'm, I want you to dig deep and think of what that could be. I'm going to close by reading the scripture reading from today, okay? And just reflect on that and then I'll go into prayer. And it reads this, Isaiah 43, verses 18 through 19. Do not remember the past events. Pay no attention to the things of old. Look, I'm about to do something new, God says. Even now it's coming. Don't you see it? Indeed, I make a way in the wilderness. I'm going to make a way in the rivers. I'm going to make a way in the desert. Brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to your past. You're not obligated to your past. There's freedom in, in the Lord. So... Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today in this warm home uh, with this church family. Lord, and I just want to thank you for the opportunity to read your scripture, Lord, and just reflect on your goodness and your ability to forget who we uh, forget our shortcomings when even we, Lord, are unwilling to do that. Lord, put it in us to just, just to see you in our life, Father God, and that uh, you'll move forward in our life in this capacity and in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to the broadcast from the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church at 2420 East Ashman in Midland, Michigan. If you are in the area, we cordially invite you to visit our church Saturday mornings. If you are a distance away, we encourage you to continue visiting our website and weekly podcast at midlandsda.org.